0: Tickets? Check. Popcorn and beverage? Check. It's showtime. Local talk that's moving the needle. From the iHub Radio screening room, this is Flicks and Picks with Brian Mendoza. Um, uh,
1: would be the perfect guest. What's your name anyway? Stargirl. My name is Stargirl.
0: Happy birthday to you, happy birthday to you, happy birthday dear Leo, happy birthday to you.
1: And that was a clip from the new Disney Plus movie Stargirl. It is based on the Jerry Spinelli novel that came out around 2000. And it tells a story of a man, of a young man named Leo, not only overcoming his own um, troubles fitting in at his school, but also meeting a young girl named Stargirl. That's her name, or at least that's what she claims her name is. Stargirl is eccentric. She sings. She pulls out her ukulele. She, She's just so different from everyone else. She is so unique and special to this to him and to this current schoolyard that um at first they accept her they love her they see her as a star and they start to really embrace her but sooner or later things turn to the worse and she is ostracized and he is conflicted about not only his feelings for her but the fact that if he associates with her maybe he won't fit his um he's already a misfit so he might be even more of a misfit. And, the unfor- and it deals with the conflict of being a conformist and wanting everyone to accept you or remaining yourself and being happy, staying true to yourself and finding happiness with that. And even from the point of view of your friends, whether or not your friends want to really accept you or they want to still remain popular or at least not be even more ostracized than they really are. It's a very, in, it's not the most unique story. Stargirl has, it, for the most part, ever since the book came out. The the story of a eccentric girl changing the life of a, not as eccentric, but um, misfit guy, has been told over and over again. Um, Garden State, the movie um, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind was a subversion of the trope, and that was pretty early on in the years. 500 Days of Summer tried to subvert it, but it ended up being an example of it. That's kind of what happens when these types of movies try to subvert the manic pixie dream girl trope, Then they kind and it, then they kind of become an example because then the next subversive of it subverts their usage of it the manic pixie dream girl is a stock character that only exists as uh, nathan rabin actually coined the phrase so let's see what the phrase actually says the manic pixie dream girl exists solely solely in the fevered imaginations of sensitive writers directors to teach soulful young men who are brooding to embrace life and it's infinite mysteries and adventures. Mystic Manic Pixie Dream Girls are said to help their men without pursuing their own happiness, as such characters never grow, thus their man never really grows up. Huh. It's an interesting takeaway from this. I actually think that the Manic Pixie Dream Girl trope is not necessarily the worst trope in the world. A lot of pretty solid movies actually have this trope. Like some like It Hot, for example has this trope in the character of Sugar Cane played by Marilyn Monroe. And later on, as the film, even later on with more modern cinema, um, as in the 2000s onwards, Elizabeth Town and Garden State, The Last Kiss, watching The Detectives, Yes Man, even Eternal Sunshine of a Spotless Mind, which is more subversive than anything, because it does actually tell you, it acknowledges what it is and Stargirl is in my opinion a pretty strong contender for being a modern day the modern the most recent version of the Manic Pixie Dream Girl and it's a problem in the story for to some extent because she for the most part doesn't appear to have an arc but as the story goes on the the first half of this movie is a little rocky it's not the greatest first half it's a little it's a little less creative and it honestly feels like i've seen it before and even in the book when you read the book y- you got to give the book some credit for doing these types of tropes and ideas like like the idea of the guy being really depressed and then one day f- finding star girl and be finding happiness within her and her eccentricities which are much more uh, much more exaggerated in the novel because the novel exaggerates a lot of these ideas and it is from the point of view of the character of leo because it is from his point of view very specifically he narrates everything and we hear every single thought in the book that the novel benefits from that that the novel that the story doesn't feel as cliched in the first half of the novel and even actually throughout the whole novel compared to the first half of this movie and it just doesn't have the best beginning and i think that if you really if you wanted to stick around for the rest of the movie, I do urge you to Stargirl in the second half of the movie is given a m- more depth. And I think the person who really saves this movie because of that is Grace Vre- Vanderwall. Grace Vanderwall is a singer. She has not, she has never acted before. And I'm surprised she's never acted before because when I watch her in this movie, I am genuinely surprised that this is her first performance because she is so natural on screen and she really does transform herself into Stargirl. Now, Stargirl, she is is the type of character that wears colorful clothes. She speaks in a very particular way. She sings happy birthday to people randomly. She pulls out her ukulele. She joins the cheerleading squad. She cheers on the other team. She she is so well-intentioned. She goes out of her way to try to do small things for people. She tries to find out what's wrong with someone and tries to improve their day. She knows that somebody in one part of the movie, which I'm not going to spoil, but has some repercussions, is that she repurchases a bike for a young boy who had his bike. She believes the bike was stolen. Or the bike was sold for financial reasons. She doesn't know the real reason why the bike was sold to a thrift store. But she rebuys it and gives it back to the boy. And so it's a very interesting... That little subplot is very interesting. And I honestly thought that that type of subplot could have worked really well in the novel. Especially considering that one of the things that the novel does. Because it is from the perspective of a teenager. And it is very accurate on how teenagers view the world it's that the bullying part of it the bullying in the story in the novel is so much worse and so significantly more one-dimensional like the character the villains are just way more evil in this st- in the book but in the store in the movie the character of star when she starts getting bullied at school when people start to really um attack her they're given much more substantive reasons to some extent, but then, because they don't really elaborate on the, on one specific part of the story, which is her overwhelming sympathy for other people, even people who aren't part of her school. That's going to be a kind of a clue to what scene I'm talking about. If you've seen this, she there is a scene where she's being interviewed, and someone calls her out, saying, "Why did you?" support this person when they're not even part of our school and it's a very interesting scene because I didn't think it was emphasized enough in the movie compared to how it was in the book because the book had a had more build-up towards that so that would be one weakness for these specific scenes and then the next moment the film would improve on other aspects which is the fact that there is a girl who bullies star girl named Um, I don't know how to pronounce her name, but I think like Hillary, I think that's how, because it's spelled a little uniquely, so we're going to say Hillary, that Hillary is not, is given a little bit more of of a substantial reason to hate her in this version, whereas in the book, she's just kind of a mean girl. She's just sort of mean, and I get that that's how sometimes it works out in high school, but high school students, they do try to find reasons to hate someone. There are reasons, even if they're petty, or even misunderstood reasons that someone might actually not want to be nice to someone and so Stargirl I think does a really good job of exploring certain aspects of bullying and certain aspects of nonconformity, and it does give Stargirl a genuine arc uh, because she has to overcome not only her own self-doubt because even people who are eccentric they she's not dumb she sees how people treat her she sees how it is and Because Leo, the main character, who is played really well by Graham, um, uh, sorry, Graham Verici, Verici, I, I had to space out a little bit because I always forget how to pronounce his last name, but Graham Verici, he does such a really good job with the character, he's sympathetic even, even when he's not the nicest person to Stargirl, and the book, um, he is, um, a little bit more conflicting so I think on one hand I wish they would have kept that but it's fine and I think that there's so many things that this movie does right but also so many things that it doesn't really perfect on so I think it's a good movie it just has a lot of imperfections like I think that the Manic Pixie Dream Girl storyline has been done to death and I think this movie could have been done a little bit more creatively and also I think that they should have adapted the sequel as well. They, they should have done the fir- this movie and Love, Stargirl, which is a sequel to the original book. I think that Love, Stargirl would have made more sense as a movie, uh, or at least this would have made sense as a miniseries, because in the second part, they could have done Love, Star Girl because the storyline is from her point of view. It's not from the point of view of a man interacting with her, like the first book is. Now, bear in mind, these stories are not invaluable. They're not terrible, so it's... It's more because I think that they missed out on an opportunity to adapt both books into a miniseries that would have been pretty interesting. The first half would have been a very ni- nice adaptation of a story from the point of view of the male character with the Manic Pixie Dream Girl. But the second book, which explores the Manic Pixie Dream Girl's own inner conflicts and internal monologues, would have made, would have made a great Second half for a miniseries, so it's a missed opportunity on that end. Otherwise, I thought that Julia Hart did a good job sh- with the movie. It looks beautiful. It's shot really well, and it look and it's much m- better than the average Disney Channel movie that would be on Disney Plus. So I definitely recommend Stargirl on the Disney Plus platform. We're gonna have to be at home for a while, and it's a nice movie to watch. It it has a pleasant atmosphere. It makes you happy. It's it's a good movie to watch during this time. And, of course, you know, I don't want to bring up too much about what's going on in the world, except I have to later on in the program. Stargirl is a good movie to watch. It's nostalgic, it's thoughtful, and I'll give it three stars. It's three stars. Grace, Vanderville, if anything, she is the savior of this movie. She saves it, she makes the Manic Pixie Dream Girl a little bit, much much more than just a trope she makes her a genuine character with her own thoughts and feelings go watch Stargirl, it's on disney plus uh, um sign up for the free trial um trust me you wouldn't watch you would want to watch this movie and it's good for kids it's a good movie for kids and i think that adults will find some value in it but stay tuned i'll bring up a movie that is on netflix that doesn't share too many similarities but also follows a boy and a girl named my girl we'll talk about that film later on coming up next we're going to talk about Unfortunately, we have to talk about how the coronavirus has changed the film industry. And then later on, we'll talk about the Raspberry Awards. Stay tuned. You're listening to Flicks and Picks with Brian Mendoza.
0: Live from the Coachella Valley. He calls it as he sees it. This is Flicks and Picks with Brian Mendoza on iHub Radio.
1: Okay, so we're going to have to kind of talk about the giant virus in the room because i would say elephant in the room but we're gonna have to be a little serious here um okay so where to start black widow has been suspended not suspended i mean postponed but essentially the same thing uh productions have been suspended for various movies little mermaid and all that so there any movie you can think of that's coming out in april it's it's gonna be postponed the only movie that has been stuck in its place up to now is Artemis foul because it's a month away and things can change and hopefully hopefully we can start going out in a month. I'm not gonna say that I'm not gonna say that things are gonna get better. I I hope they have to get worse before they get better. So we have to get to we have to see where the curve ends before we flatten it. Find a way to flatten it. We have to we have to do it. Um so I'm not trying to be too quiet. It's just one of those things where there's just so much to process. Movie theaters are starting to ask for bailouts. So they're trying to get Congress to give them a bailout because they're going to suffer financially. Um, I I think the priority should definitely be people's health. And later on, we should discuss how movie theaters, you know, I love a lot of movie theaters here. Like the Mary Pickford Theater is just so amazing. They've done so many good things for me. And I really hope that they really do strive afterwards. I I I, I hope that there's a way – I hope that when movie theaters start to open up again and things are better, that we're allowed – that people start to not necessarily immediately surge, but that slowly but surely we rebuild back the movie theater economy. But people's health are a priority. So I hope – as much as I want Congress to help these movie theaters out, I think we have to help everyone else. And that includes movie theater employees too. That's what I mean. Movie theater employees, movie theater managers, movie theater – Everybody, everybody who works at a movie theater, who, by the way, they they would be at risk if they were open now. Those people, they definitely need to, they can live, I hope that they, in some ways, can live a normal life um, right now. That they can be able to survive, at least financially, while they're at home. So there's there's so much I hope for, but we have to f- prioritize people's health. And we also have to hopefully make sure that the workers who work at these movie theaters, that they are financially compensated for their time because they're going to suffer too. And I just hope things get better on that end. Um, Amazon Prime has made it possible for people to rent movies like The Hunt, The Invisible Man, Emma, and even Onward is going to start showing up on there. Onward's going to be on Disney Plus in about a month or so, so... Uh, not a month, but a couple weeks from now in the next month, so stay tuned, but you are able to rent these movies for nineteen ninety nine. Um, Onward, I do recommend renting that movie, because I, I do think that movie should be a success. I mean, a lot of us didn't go see it because of the coronavirus fears, but also because, well, it, it just wasn't a great time for movies to come out. And Onward, I think, deserves some, finance, some money. I think that it, Onward is worth renting, so of the four movies I named, you should definitely consider renting *The Invisible Man*. *Invisible Man* is my favorite movies of this, and because all these movies have been postponed, it is the best movie of the year so far. Um, *Emma* is a good movie. I'm gonna—I'll do a proper review of that movie later on. I, um, but *The Hunt*, I again haven't seen it. I have to rent it. There's just so many. <laughs> I'm just trying to prioritize free options, so you do have to rent these movies um the way back will be will be following soon and then um trolls 2 will be on there to rent and onward will be on disney plus so it's up to you do you want to rent that movie or do you want to wait i i do think it's worth renting and i think your kids for now i think your kids should be entertained with something they haven't seen and it is a fun movie to watch and it is optimistic You you won't regret renting it and then it by the way, just to make it clear, these are 1999 rentals for 48 hours. So you have 40 hours to watch these movies, um, and it's going to be about the same price as going to the movie theaters. But with 1999, to be honest, like I found ways of saving money when I go to the movie theater. You know, there are ways of saving money that 1999 you'll get popcorn and a drink with all of that. It, even if you manage to like find affordable tickets, like if you went to movie theater on a five dollar day then 1999 would you would still if you had twenty dollars in your pocket you bought your ticket you can still get popcorn and drink with that amount i've done it before so i don't know if this would be like a i would say um normal thing i don't think this is going to be normal for a while um in terms of whether or not this will be the norm renting movies from home. I don't think it should be. I think part of going to the movies is just the experience of being with people and watching movies. Some movies like Black Widow, which has been delayed, they work best with movie theaters. So I'm hoping I'm hoping things get better. Frozen 2 was released early, by the way, on at Disney+, Plus. so you will be able to see the movie for free on there. Of course, sign up for their free trial or anything like that. Again, I'm not sponsored by any of these people. I'm just saying that you do have options of financial options so if you don't like a service sign up for their free trials and then you have the obligation to not pay for them afterwards if you want to see certain movies Um, sonic will be on demand as well so feel free to watch that one as well i do recommend sonic it is a fun movie you will enjoy it and it will get you through these hard times. And Birds of Prey will, has gotten a v- video-on-demand release, too. I do recommend Birds of Prey. Like, if you're going to pay 19.99, Birds of Prey might be your first choice because you will be able to e- own the movie as well. So you have all these options, so you don't get bored at home when it comes to purchasing or renting movies. Those are some of your options. But stay tuned, I will give you another movie option. We'll try to highlight some classic movies that share a lot in common with some of the free movies I'll be... Um, uh, some of the movies that are free to stream online. So I'm going to talk about My Girl, starring Anna Kolemski, Jamie Lee Curtis, Dan Aykroyd, and Macaulay Culkin. Stay tuned.
0: iHub Radio. Reinventing talk radio in the Coachella Valley. Homemade for the rest of us. From the iHub Radio Screening Room, this is Flicks and Picks with Brian Mendoza. We should, just to see what's the big deal. But I don't know how.
1: Here, practice on your arm like this. Like this? Mm-hmm. Okay, enough practice. Let's right. Then I won't be able to see anything. Just do it. Okay, okay.
0: On the count of three. One, two, two and a
1: half,
0: three. Say something. is too
1: quiet. Um. Huh. Just of allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. And that was a famous scene from the movie My Girl, which is available on Netflix right now. I wanted to talk about this movie because I had watched it um, pretty recently, like a couple days ago, during the first couple days of the quarantine, actually literally the day of the quarantine of the state shelter at place for California, because I'm obviously in California. So if you're not here, unfortunately, um, then you might not know that California currently is in shelter in place where we have to stay home. And only can go out for like essential businesses if we work in an essential business like a news outlet or like a grocery store or anything like that. And I thought, you know what, there's not going to be a lot of gr- great streaming movies. Might, might as well recommend a, a great movie that I actually enjoyed that's on streaming. So for the, for the time being, I'm going to recommend movies that are on streaming. I'll try to push for the newer movies. But... I'll try to recommend a great movie that's on streaming. And, and I mean this like not an obviously great movie, meaning that it's not a movie, like I'm not going to go out of my way to like review like Taxi Driver. It's a great movie. Go watch that. But something that, well, it's a pleasant movie, and you should watch it. And it's on streaming. It's a nice movie to kind of get you unwind and relax. I told someone that you should watch a movie that makes you happy and makes you cry so you can feel better afterwards. And my girl did that for me. My, gir- my girl girl is a story about an 11 year old girl named Veda who grows up in Madison, Pennsylvania in 1972 having to overcome the difficulties of being a young girl from watching her her father develop a romance to seeing her her own to her own crush on her teacher to eventually her fr- dealing with the inevitabilities of being a teenage girl, including puberty and even having to overcome, things that she never thought she would have to overcome at a young age. All with the help of her best friend, played by Ellen uh, Macaulay Culkin, her best friend named Thomas. Um, this is a movie that, in my opinion, I first saw a couple years ago, and I thought, wow, this is just a solid movie. And I watched it, and it just grows on you. I don't think it's one of the greatest movies ever made, but I think it is a really good movie. My Girl the best part about it is Anna Kolemski's performance as Veda. She is a character. This is how you write children. This is, this is, she is a character. That's how I can put it. She is allowed to be flawed. She's allowed to make mistakes. And I think that what I like about it is that Anna Kolemski is just so talented and she's able to allow Veda to be not only very endearing, very sweet, but also just have a lot of fun. She is having so much fun in this movie along with Macaulay Culkin's Thomas. Now, Macaulay Culkin has been criticized in the past for being kind of off with his acting, but I think My Girl proves that he could have had a really solid career in the movies. And this should have been a first real, I would say, star-making performance for Anna Kolomsky because I think that while she has been on television very consistently, and I love the fact that she's on Veep, the fact that Anna Kolomsky is not a major movie star... It's really weird because my girl really shows how versatile she is. She is not only very likable, she can make you cry. Uh, The most famous scene in this movie is literally a tearjerker because of Anna Kolomsky's performance as Veda. And that's what I really appreciate about this movie is that on one hand it can make you cry, but it also makes you really happy because it captures childhood so effectively um it it plays out like a series of vignettes like every other scene is um is a moment in time like her first kiss which i I had to unfortunately spoil because that's the best clip in the movie that i can give you to kind of define to kind of redefine the movie a little bit to kind of define what the movie is all about to her first time putting on makeup to her discovering her period and having and going out of her way to spy on her dad. Little moments like this create a larger story of this young girl growing up and becoming a a more mature person by the end. And I think that's what I really like about this is that every child character in this movie is thoughtfully written. Like even her bullies in the movie, not all of them are complete one-dimensional hack bullies that these writers try to include, but we are given an opportunity to see how peer pressure works in terms of bullying um we also see how unfortunately how children make mistakes that can be life threatening how in some cases how in the case of Thomas how children they'll mess around with each other and even kind of hurt each other but then they'll still be loyal friends because it's just it is what it is and the confusion that comes from having to fit a certain type of dynamic in society for example how um, Anna Kolemski's character Veda she basically kicks Macaulay Culkin's character to the curve when she finds out she's on, on her first period because she doesn't know what else to do she's told she only she misinterprets certain characters actions as meaning that uh, mi- uh, advice and transforming it into very exaggerated actions that children would definitely do. I think My Girl really knows how to capture how children really act. And I also like the fact that the adults in this movie also have their own storyline. Um, Dan Aykroyd plays the father in this movie, and he is so good. Um, I think his best scenes are definitely the scenes with um, Anna Kalemsky's character. She is... Uh, she she and him really do capture a real father-daughter dynamic, especially the fact that he is a single father. Um, his character, his name is Harry, and he falls in love with Shelley, played by Jimmy Lee Curtis. And Shelley has her own story arc about wanting to um, kind of redefine herself after her divorce. They're both single people. One is divorced and the other one is a widower. And by the way, what a great movie that this that this is a really accurate depiction of how a widower goes back into the dating scene or how a divorced woman can go back it's very subtle how different they approach the dating scene but very sweet and I and love their scenes together it's very believable and I think that I, I find it to be very nice how it's all done and I think that what I like about Jamie Lee Curtis's character her character of Shelly is that she is not evil she is allowed she's sweet she's nice and She is very caring for Veda. So when Veda goes out of her way to be kind of rude to her and she's very skeptical about her father remarrying or reconsidering dating someone, it's believable because that's how sometimes kids are. Kids sometimes are skeptical of their parents' decisions, but I like the fact that for once, the kid is making a mistake about this. It's not unreasonable to believe that a person would stay would stay with someone despite not getting along with their kid. I've seen too many movies where the stepmother is so unapologetically evil that it doesn't make sense for the father to stay with them. I I never understood that. Whereas this movie, she's sweet, she's actually likable and you actually root for her and Harry to be together by the end of the movie. So you understand why even you understand why Veda's skeptical but you understand why Harry will not leave Shelley because of Veda's Uh, skepticism it's very thoughtful thoughtfully crafted storytelling everything is covered really well in this movie and I think that each scene adds to a much more greater piece of a film that that's a coming of age story essentially of two kids one who is experiencing the problems of being a girl in the 70s not only during the sexual revolution but also the fact that she just has to be a kid. She wants to be a kid, but there's so much going on in her outside of her world, but she's also, there's a lot going on within who she is. And I also like the fact that Macaulay Culkin's character, Thomas, has also allowed some growth too. He is a young boy that has to not only witness his best friend going through puberty, but he also tries to, you know, stay well behaved. He tries to be safe, even though There's so much going on in the world. There's so many dangers out there. And I think that this is a really great movie for kids to watch. So if you have little kids, I think that an 11-year-old girl or a 10-year-old girl or any child between the ages of 10 to 12 or even just any child, even a boy, can appreciate the value of this movie. This movie talks to children as very well it communicates to them. And I also think it's really good for adults to watch this movie because you relate a lot to it. It's like, oh, I remember when that happened or I remember feeling this way or acting that way or having a crush on my teacher. And by the way, I got to say this movie, dealing with the one angle that I was a little concerned about, I was a little concerned about how this movie would depict Anna Kolemski's crush on her teacher. I like the fact there's a lot of humor in it, but also appreciate that it's not at all considered... (laughs) It's not even something that could even be realistic. You know what I mean? Like, the teacher obviously knows, but he doesn't try to play into it. He obviously can tell, but he's trying to be nice. And I think that that's what I like about it, is that he's trying to be nice to her, and he never tries to take advantage of that situation. And I think that's very good writing. Um, I also really just like the fact that the performance by Richard Massor as, um, I mean, Griffin Dunn, as mr bexer it's actually a really good performance and i also like the fact that his chemistry with um veda you understand why she would have a crush on him and why he would despite knowing that and kind of seeing that hey he would be able to just still be nice to her and it's done in a way where it's appropriate and it's very sweet and the fact that um and no do not misinterpret it as him taking advantage no he has to kind of just let her be, you know, like, oh, she's entering my adult writing class, but the other adults are encouraging her to do this, so I'm going to have to. It's, it's all done pretty well, and I think it's very reasonable, and the only reason I bring this up is because there's too many conversations about um, how weird some movies depict children's crushes on adults, and I think this is one of the few times where it actually knows how to tackle that type of subject matter effectively well without making it creepy or anything remotely problematic. This is a really solid movie. Please go watch My Girl. Um, Howard Ziff, he directed this movie, and it's such a shame because he really, that he didn't have much more of a career um, outside of directing the sequel, My Girl 2, which I can just give a good, re- a quick review. The My Girl 2 kind of isn't that good. I, I'm kind of glad that it's not on Netflix, even though they had a, they had an opportunity to really have a solid movie there but My Girl is a really thoughtful movie sure there are times where you know maybe some scenes just don't need to be there but I loved it I loved it a lot I give it three and a half stars out of four I definitely think you should go watch it it's on Netflix right now definitely will cheer you up but it would also make you cry so you'll be given an opportunity to have a real cathartic feeling meanwhile all the world is kind of seemingly going down so stay at home, watch My Girl on Netflix. I'll be trying to bring back, a mo- I'll try to catch the movies on Netflix or Disney Plus Plus on Hulu and try to give you a solid review on a classic movie that's on there or a movie that I feel is a little underrated since we're going to be at home now. Stay tuned. We're going to talk about the Raspberry Awards and let's see which movie won the most. Stay tuned.
0: When you want to know what happened and why, and what's next in the Coachella Valley, come here. iHub Radio, the local news talk authority. This is Flicks and Picks with Brian Mendoza. Call 760-544-TALK. That's 760-544-8255. Now here's Brian Mendoza.
1: Okay, so the Golden Raspberry Awards were supposed to have a ceremony, but because of coronavirus i have to reduce the amount of times i say it on here but i have to talk about it so um because of coronavirus they unfortunately could not (laughs) they could not have the ceremony obviously so they had so they they made some adjustments and did a whole youtube video and you can watch the whole thing on there and what i think is interesting that about this is that there's it's it's sad but hopefully next year we'll get an actual like um We'll get an actual um, a ceremony out of this. And I, I remain optimistic that things will get better, so hopefully. But, you know, there was one movie that really did succeed at the Golden Raspberry Awards. So let, let's take a listen to what movie that is. With the crazy cat lady. Ooh, look, oh. Now it is time to make the choice. Right, well, that's not going to work, is it? That's what I say to you? Cross pause. Come, we're about to begin. I love it. If you recognize the music right there, that was the music from the movie Cats. And oh boy, did Cats win a bunch of awards at this ceremony. So many. And it's such a, it's so sad. I'm like, darn, coronavirus, why did you deprive me of watching the Cats movie win all these awards in a ceremony? Uh, It's disappointing because Cats, I've been obsessed with how bad this movie is, and now it's also available on YouTube, so have those cast um, hosting parties, but do not host it with your friends. Get a bunch of friends on Skype and watch it together. Oh boy, it's going to be something that's going to, you know, it'll keep you distracted. But here are some of the major winners for the Razzie Awards, which celebrates the worst in, in the film industry, the very worst films. So, who won the worst reckless disregard for human life and public property? Rambo Last Blood. This is basically um, a film that any film that in some way is considered dangerous or just is very inconsiderate or very thoughtless. It's almost like a problematic award, like the movie that you know was did not have to be made for just because of how problematic it is and how inconsiderate it is. So that is the first new award. At least that's what I understand the award to be. I'm not sure. The Razzie Redeemer Award, which is the award that they give out to someone who won a Razzie but has, in a sense, redeemed themselves in the public eye. Um, some of the nominees include Jennifer Lopez, Keanu Reeves, Adam Sandler, and Will Smith, which are a good list to choose from. But the winner is ultimately Eddie Murphy. first performance in Dolomite Is My Name. This is the only positive award so the Razzie Redeemer Award is for that one. Worst screenplay, um, it went to Cats. But some of the other nominees include The Haunting of Sharon Tate and A Medea Family Funeral, which I both thought were terrible screenplays, especially the Medea one. The Medea one, because it, I, I think that one had a plot, and it, tried, it, it just didn't even put in the effort. Whereas Cats, at least it tried to assemble everything together, but it was just so poorly done. It's it's a difficult musical musical to adapt, at, but even though Medea is just so poorly done, and you, they should have even considered making a movie out of the Sharon Tate murders the way they did right here. Um, worst prequel remake ripoff or sequel Ramble Last Blood. Even though, in my personal opinion, it it's I would say that that is the best one. But of the nominees, in my personal opinion, Godzilla King of the Monsters shouldn't be on this list. I thought it was okay. Like I don't think it's the among the worst. Dark Phoenix, Hellboy, and Medea Family Funeral definitely deserve it though. Uh, Worst screen combo that one went to any half feline, any any two half feline half human hair balls and cats. Yep, yep, I, I definitely agree with that. That wasn't um, that's been an unpleasant experience watching that movie for those scenes. Um, my runner up for this would be John Travolta and any screenplay he accepts because he needs to really stop accepting all these screenplays. Um, for Worst Supporting Actress, Rebel Wilson Katz as Ginny Annie Dots, that's, that's an obvious win. I, w- I, I honestly would not give it to anyone else. Heck, even Judy Dench didn't deserve this nomination. She was one of the better parts of Katz. Um, Jessica Chastain for Dark Phoenix was pretty bad, so yes, I definitely agree. Cassie Davis did what she could with the Medea family funeral. And Francisca Panita for Ram- Rambolas, but yeah, that was a bad performance too. But Rebel Wilson was so bad in Cats, so I definitely agree with this win for that. Um, worst supporting actor, James Corden as, in Cats as for Jones. Um, yeah, honestly, I think both of them really gave terrible jobs, and I don't think they did. Re- they didn't do any of the music justice. It's bad. I think that if you went to go see both movies right now, you would agree with these nominations, uh, with these wins, I mean. Um, my second place would probably be I I would probably give it to Tyler Perry in the movies because it was, what it's just so embarrassing to watch him in those in Medea Family Funeral. I was a little too nice when I reviewed it. I watched it again. It's it's bad. I I, I almost regret even giving a positive a not even a positive review, a remotely not so negative review. It wasn't as negative as it should have been. Um, I don't think Bruce Willis should have been nominated for Glass. I think he was actually pretty decent in that movie. For Worst Actress, uh, Hilary Duff for The Haunting of Sharon Tate as Sharon Tate. And yes, this is one where I definitely think she deserved it. My second place for this would obviously be Anne Hathaway for Serenity. That was pretty bad too. Um, Rebel Wilson definitely deserved a nomination for The Hustle for this one. Um, I don't know so much about Francesca Hayward in Cats. I think she was charming. Again, my opinion of Cats is that it's one of the worst movies of 2020 of 2019. After Serenity, it's my number two pick, and but even though, but Cats had its moments, and Francesca Hayward wasn't terrible. She wasn't great, but she wasn't that awful. Um, as for worst actor, John Travolta in The Fanatic and Trading Paint. Now, yeah, he gave a perform- bad performance in these two movies. I would even say Matthew McConaughey and David Harbour's performances in their own movies were pretty bad, and even Sylvester Stallone. These are bad. This was a bad year for some of these movies. And Zeroville for James Franco, oh boy, was that, was that horrible. How do you go from the disaster artist to Zeroville? It's, it's embarrassing. It genuinely is. Uh, worst director goes to Tom Hooper for Cats. Yeah, he made a big mistake directing this. I just hope his career isn't over by then. I, I don't know if this would be the swan song I would want him to end his career on. But How the Mighty Have Fallen, winning an Oscar for um, The King's Speech... To this and the worst picture of the year with the nominations being the fanatic the haunting of sharon tate a media family funeral and ramble last blood the winner is ultimately cats so cats swept the awards and uh with nine nominations and six wins oh boy <laughs> and it's also the least the the one that lost the most amount of money at the box office oh boy Stay. Thank you for listening. I hope you stay safe. Please stay at home. Practice all necessary measures recommended by the CDC and the World Health Organization. Make conscious decisions when you go outside. Um, and stay safe. Stay home. But also, if you have to go out, consider delivery. There's so many options out there and so many great movies to watch. So stay tuned. For the next couple of weeks, I'll highlight some movies for you to watch at home. Thank you for listening. Stay safe. I love you all.